trial by trial basis. Wisdom is applying God's principles, God's word to life issues. In order to gain this godly wisdom, we must faithfully ask God to help us view our trials from a godly perspective. And when we do so, we shall be able to handle our trials victoriously and even joyfully. Amen. Amen. This morning we're going to address two points, wisdom in asking, and the second point will be unwise expectations. So let's delve into our text and we see our first point, wisdom in asking, and we find these words in verse 6. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. You remember last week in verse 5, James informed the saints, as we face our various trials of faith, it is imperative that we rely on God's wisdom. This asking process begins with us recognizing our need for wisdom in the midst of our trials, because we all lack wisdom whenever we face a trial. Amen, amen, amen. It's not an issue if, it's an issue of we do. And that's the first step is to recognize I need help. I need assistance. I need God's wisdom. And then once we understand that we lack wisdom and we know the source of it is God, we must then pray for understanding, knowing who God is in the midst of our trials. Because sometimes when we're going through, and I'll speak for me when I'm going through, I can easily begin to forget who God is. I can begin to make God a lot smaller than he actually is. Because that situation in that trial seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and the storm seems to get harder and harder and harder, and God begins to get smaller and smaller. So not only do I have to ask him and tell him that I'm lacking wisdom, but then I got to remember who he is. And then seeking God in faith that he will provide us wisdom so that we may endure our trials joyfully. Now James launches today's journey by declaring, but he must ask in faith. Some of us, you know, when you see something that you want and somebody might give you some writing and then you see the big writing but you don't see the small print. So we saw last week that all we had to do was ask and God would give it to us. But now the small print comes in, I got to ask in faith. Oh. See, that means I can't just come to God any old kind of way. I can't come to God in any old kind of manner. I got to come to God asking in faith, realizing, understanding that God is the source of my wisdom and God is the supply of my wisdom and he will give me wisdom generously if I ask in faith. So somebody might be saying, I asked, I asked, I asked, and I never got any wisdom. I never got any of this. And my question was, did you ask in faith? We must faithfully pray to our Heavenly Father, seeking and knowing God's wisdom is the best answer to our prayer. Faith is complete trust in the Lord Almighty. Faith, fully believing that God can and will meet our requests in a manner, catch this, that pleases God. Mm. 
Some of us could be praying to God till we turn blue in the face. Some of us could be praying to God till we turn purple. And you're saying, I'm not getting what I asked for, but what you're asking for, does it please God or does it please you? Mm. So asking in faith is not saying, I want this really bad. I want this really bad. I want this really bad. This will make me happy. This will make me happy. No, I'm asking in faith that this will please God. And the wonderful thing about God is, if it pleases him, it will benefit us. But see, some of us got it flipped around. We got it where we worried about the benefiting us more than we are the pleasing of God. And if I'm asking more about what am I going to get, am I going to get the result that I want, and I'm not too concerned if this pleases God, he says, you didn't pray to me. You were just talking to yourself. And you have not asked me in the manner that I will open up all this wisdom to you. I will not give you any. Mm. Mm. James is referring not to saving faith. So don't read these verses and start talking about salvation because salvation got nothing to do with these verses because who is James talking to? He's talking to believers. So already you know if you're interpreting the verse and you're bringing salvation into this equation, you need to go back and say, "Uh uh-oh, I'm reading this verse wrong because he's only talking to believers. Because who can ask in faith? Who can get from their father? The only ones who can get from the father are those who are his children. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, you're not one of his children. James is advocating a sustaining faith that involves complete surrender to God and his purposes in our trials. Then he goes on to say, asking in faith, uh uh-oh, without any doubting. Mm. So now as people that are going to exegete the scripture and pull out the scripture, what it's teaching us, experiencing doubt is common to all. Even those of us with faith in God, struggle with doubt on occasions. So we got anybody in here saying, well, I'm a child of God, and I don't never doubt. I always, always know, I know, I know, I know. Well, okay. Okay, okay. So, you know, sometimes when you hear people talking, I'm like, okay, okay, this person ain't got a clue. Okay? So let's break down what doubt is. Doubt presupposes some kind of belief. Doubt presupposes some kind of belief. Doubt is not the absence of faith, but is the questioning of faith. Mm. We can only doubt what we already believe. So what are some of the biblical definitions of doubt? The Hebrew word is taraf, meaning to pluck off, pull in pieces, or torn in pieces. Talah, meaning to hang, hung up, or bent on turning. Greek word, dik out renault, to separate, to waver, to judge back and forth. Distazo, mentally wavering in opinion, to go two ways, shifting between positions, a double stance. See, I can only shift between two positions if I got two positions. So that's the reason why you, you, you have doubt, but it's doubt that you already believe in something, 
but now you're going back and forth, which one am I actually going to act on? Consequently, doubt is to question, hold questionable, to hesitate to believe, to lack in confidence, and being torn between two opinions, two minds vacillating between two ways of believing. Not asking in faith, but doubting is an abandonment of God and his will in our trials. So when I begin to doubt, I begin to abandon God's will and God's word because I begin to rely on what I used to believe in. So what I'm saying is when this situation comes, I'm going to believe in something and I'm going to believe and act on that which goes against God. So I'm telling God in this equation, I'm going to leave you and go back to my old way of thinking. Because everybody in here, we ain't always thought godly. Amen, amen, amen. So we all had ways of thinking. We all had ways of handling situations before we came to know the Lord. And many times we think they got us through stuff. So now when a situation comes, God is saying, who are you going to trust? You're going to trust me and my way, or are you going to trust you and your ways? And that is where the doubt comes in. Well, what is the effect of this doubt? The Bible says, for one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Those who waver in their faith are like the, a wave in the sea, tossed to and fro, driven by the wind. We see this also in Ephesians chapter 4. The surf itself has no inner power or principle to direct itself. It is totally at the will of the wind. It is completely unstable and chaotic. Now, we all suffer with doubt. The believer who wavers in his or her faith is a believer who is not fully committed to obey God no matter what. The doubting believer is unwilling to surrender his or her heart to follow God's will, to follow God's wisdom in the trial. Now, everything I said is, I said, the doubting believer. So we ain't talking about an unbeliever. We ain't talking about this makes you unbeliever because you doubt. This is talking about the believer who doubts. The doubting believer is curious about God's wisdom. So he or she prays to find out if God's wisdom, catch this, agrees with their wisdom. He or she's not committed to follow God's will, to follow God's wisdom, if it involves suffering or inconvenience. So we smart enough to say, well, let me check the scripture, see what the scripture says on this. But then now when I check the scripture and see what it says, and it don't match up with my wisdom, it doesn't match up with my ways, it's going to cost me something, I begin to doubt which one am I going to go with, and many times, whenever we sin, we go with the one that's most convenient. Somebody comes to a pastor and they say, hey, pastor, I, I done found my man. I've been waiting all these years. I've been waiting all these years. I've been waiting like a Christ, good Christian young lady. I've been keeping myself, and now I got me a man. And the pastor said, okay, good. I'm glad you got a man. 
And, they, and, and, and I say, well, is he somebody from our church? Oh, no, he don't go to our church. And does he go to one of the neighborhood churches? No, he don't go to one of the neighborhood churches. Uh, does he go to church at all? No, he don't go to church at all. Is he a believer? No, he's not at all. But I want to know if it's God's will for me to marry him. And the pastor says, well, no, you can't marry this person because they're not a believer and you'd be unequally yoked. So that means you just got to wait a little bit longer if it's God's will for you to get married. But I don't really, I, and they almost said what they wanted to really say, I really don't care what God's will is. I, I want to get married. So now, if I stay true to God's word, I might have the probability I may never get married. But now, if that's God's will for you never to get married, why are you struggling with it? You know the reason why you're struggling with it? Because it don't match up with your will. So now you start doubting, has God lost my address? Does, 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 he, does he not know where I'm at? Has, can, can he send somebody? And God is saying, my will is that you don't get married. Then that's where the struggle begins. Because he didn't say what we thought he was going to say. He didn't do what we thought he should do, and now the battle begins. If we do not accept God's wisdom, but place our faith in our own thinking, we will be untethered like a small boat without an anchor in a storm, tossed and tumbled in the waves of the trials of life. And some of us, as we sit here today, we may be one of those untethered boats, and the trials come into our life, and the winds come into our life, and the storms come into our lives. But since we're not tethered, since we're not hooked up, since we're not tied in with God, when those winds and those storms and those trials come, we are tossed to and fro, back and forth, up and down, up and down, around and around. And we get to the point where we say, this cannot be what God wants for me. And God is saying, some is and some is not. I didn't want you to be tossed to and fro as much as you're being tossed, but you're being tossed to and fro as much as you are because you're not tied in with me. My hand is out here to hold you through the storm. I didn't promise you there wasn't going to be a storm, but I did promise I'd be there with you, but you won't hold my hand. And now you're wondering why you're being pushed all over the place. And God is saying, because you're untethered. Mm -hmm. How many times have there been in our lives where we've been untethered saints? Mm -hmm. Not an issue whether we accepted the Lord. The issue is we're not tied up to him. We ain't trusting him. And then some of us think, well, I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you, Lord, because everything is sunny like outside right now. But then when those storms come and they get a little dark out there. You start realizing, I ain't really connected to God. I'm not really trusting God. I'm just praying to God that he keeps everything smooth in my life. Some of us have been guilty. And I always say here, some of us say, did you have a good week this week? And you say, yeah, I had an excellent week this week. Why would you have, why'd you have an excellent week this week? Nothing happened. Everything went the way it was supposed to be. I had no trouble, no trials, no issues. Nothing happened. It was a good week. And then if you had a week where there was things that were going to test your faith, that was a bad week. 
So you begin to look and you sit there and say, man, there's a lot of things going on. This, last week and the la- week before, I said, anytime I start preaching on certain things, I know certain things are going to start happening. So I already know it. So I tell Wanda and the kids, look out. Okay? Because <laughs> if you don't come after me, you're going to come after somebody. So I think at the beginning of the week, we were dealing with something. And then, the, you know, the Bucks room. The Bucks room now is a Bucks room with no TV. TV went out. So I'm sitting there, oh, man. So I said, okay, that's it. So then later on in the week, Wanda got some news about her sister. You know, they've been running some tests. They did find out one of the tests was cancerous. So we said, okay, now we got that issue. And then we still got the issue with my sister's. It's not recovering as quickly as they thought with her issue. All these different things coming. Then you had the furnace go out the week before, $300. And you saying, Lord, where $300 going to come from? I was Back in the old ways, I'd have wrote that check with somebody else's name on it and let it bounce a little bit. <laughs> Post-dated about two weeks. <laughs> But I said, I can't do that no more. <laughs> so you start saying, all these things are coming. All these things are coming. And God, is, and God is saying, and sometimes it might be Satan saying, see, you're preaching about all this trials. You're talking about how you're going to be singing praises. You're talking about how you're going to be joyfully. Let's see how you handle Then you get one of those calls, like I said, from Brother Hines. And you're sitting there, and you get, get, catch you all off guard. So now you find yourself ministering to somebody who lost their daughter. And how, how are you going to deal with that issue? You know, then you still come and you say, God's still ready for you to be used. And you sit there and say, these are those trials that you're talking about. And then you got to be able to say, now you're going to live it out. Or are you going to be tossed to and fro? Are you going to go somewhere and hide in the dark and eat donuts and eat ho-hos? You, you might say, I'm not tethered to you, God, but I'm anchored because I got all this weight on me. So it, it, uh, it, it got me weighed down. <laughs> I'm anchored in something. <laughs> One minute we might be resting calmly on God's promises that we are overcomers, that we are more than conquerors. But the next minute we feel that God has forgotten us. We feel defeated. We, we become impatient with God. We'll be like that surge of the sea rising to great heights, then falling back into the valleys. We must come to him via prayer, not wavering, not questioning whether God can or will do what's best in our lives, but knowing that he is where I need to run to. This week on Wednesday, we were looking at those scriptures and songs where it talks about God is our refuge, God is our stronghold, God is our deliverer, God is our protector. We say those things, we read those things, but then God allows those things to come into our lives and he says, now you're going to live it. Am I really your protector? Am I really your stronghold? Am I really your mighty fortress? Are you running to me or are you running out of your mind? We must come to him each and every time in absolute faith that God's wisdom is not only the best way, but I got to get to the point in my life that God's wisdom is the only way. Because see, when I think it's the best way, I'm willing to settle for something that might not be the best, but it's close enough. Because then I start thinking I got options. But when I know his is the only way, I don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, this might not be his divine perfect will, but it's still in his permissive will. 
But I don't want to be in his permissive will. I want to be in his divine will. I want to be where he wants me to be. We must come in full assurance of who God is, and we must know that he will provide us with his glorious, marvelous wisdom. See, I think some of us, and I always say us, that means I'm including myself. I'm not saying I'm, I'm reach points that you haven't reached. Some of us still don't know how precious his wisdom is. Because if we really knew how precious it is, and we learned last week that he generously gives it to us if we seek it and ask him for it, we wouldn't be running around like the Christians that we are, being tossed to and fro. We wouldn't be running around not looking for his wisdom and his will because many of us don't value it as being precious. It's just an option. It's just one of the ways we could do it. And then deep down inside of us, some of us still got in our flesh, and my way is better than his. My way is better than his. Because it done worked in the past. I broke your word, but look at how well it turned out. Have you ever caught yourself saying that? I know I didn't do what your word says, which is your wisdom, but look at how well it turned out. And when you hear that, you need to understand you're listening to somebody who's foolish. You listen to somebody who's foolish. And I always say sometimes I don't hang around a lot of foolish people. Because I say, God, when he zapped that lightning, I don't want to be nowhere close to the proximity when he hit. So I keep my distance away. Because sometimes, there's, <laughs> there's a scripture, this is me, so you can edit it if you want to. <laughs> Hang around foolish people long enough, you start acting foolish. Yeah. Hear them say stuff that ain't got nothing to do with the scripture, and you start saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, now you're agreeing with a foolish statement. You said, uh-huh. And some of us might even have the nerve to say amen. <laughs> Let's look at the second point. Unwise expectations. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So he's breaking this down. When he says he, that's referring back to that man who has doubts when he asks in prayer. That's talking about that man now that we see this double-minded. He's saying that person, that believer, should not expect anything from his prayers. Nothing. So there was a cute cartoon. I couldn't find it. So what I read about it, it showed a middle schooler standing toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose with his teacher. Behind them stairs, a blackboard covered with an algebraic problem. You remember those problems we used to have in school? When they, that's back when they used to send you to the board by yourself to embarrass you. Now they got to go as rows and they can't go by themselves because they'll be embarrassed. Well, they embarrassed us to galore. So we would go to, go to the board, and it would be the train left at 2 o'clock going 40 miles an hour. The other one came from the other direction at 35 miles an hour. And I'm praying, and I'm an unbeliever. Please let the bell ring so I can get off this board. Because these two trains ain't going to never meet if it's left to me. So the, the boy is standing behind the, door, the, the board and he sees this and the boy hasn't finished the problem. 
With rare perception, the boy says, I'm not an underachiever. You are an over-expector. <laughs> All of us, at some point or another in our lives, have expectations. Now, some of us, as years go by, the number of expectations begin to lower because many of our expectations were not met. And now to protect ourselves, we don't come up with a lot of expectations because that way I can't be disappointed. Some of us have become so jaded, so hard, that we say the only thing I expect is the unexpected. So now we're gonna hear about a man who is probably like many of us, that we're praying, expecting a blessing from God, an answer from God, a response from God, and God is saying that is an unwise expectation that you have. Because you should not be expecting anything from me because you came to me not asking in faith, you came to me doubting, you came to me as a double mind. Why in the world would you expect a response from me? So they'd be like some of us. I know it ain't none of you. I know we got some visitors today, but I sense all of you are holy, so none of you either. So <laughs> that'd be like you going to work for two weeks, and all you did was punch in and had somebody else punch you out. You didn't even stay. You had somebody punch you out. You went, so they see you were there, so they said, we knew Delbert was somewhere, because we saw him punch in. Then when payday come, you got your hand out expecting to get paid. You ain't worked. You ain't done nothing. But you expecting to get paid. God is saying, you expecting me to respond to a prayer like that? You praying to me for me to do something. You're praying for me to get results from me. When you ought to have been praying about getting results from you. This one, I, I was nice, and I didn't pick the picture I was going to put up there, because when I was thinking about this, it gave you this concept of the double-mindedness, and it made me think about roadkill. We all know what roadkill is, but I knew we had some little kids here today, and we might have some sensitive kids here today, so I kept it nice and clean. See, I, I, was, I was thinking about the kids, zone. I said, I, I ain't going to put the pictures I, I would have put up there. While driving, most of us have witnessed some squirrel become roadkill because the squirrel seemed to be unable to make up his mind. He wants to get across the street. He dashes, but then stops and turns back, then stops and turns and scatters towards the other side of the road, then turns back to the other side, only to be squashed in the center of the road. And sometimes, you know, some of us are a little sicker than others. We sit there and some of us kind of hoping he gets squashed. See, the sick ones are laughing because they say, yeah, that's me. Okay, and, and then the other ones are like, oh, I hope he gets across. I hope he gets across. So you say, well, what, what does that got to do with us? Many times we are just like that squirrel. We're running to God, then we're running away from him. We're asking him what we should do, then we go back to the other way. I'm going to do it this way. And then we're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then squash. 
God says, either run towards me, but don't be going back and forth with me. Either you trust me to get you to the other side, either you trust me to get you through the trial, or you don't. But don't start using other ways. Don't start using human wisdom. Don't start using your own understanding. Trust me to get you to the other side. And many of us sitting here, we, we say, well, I understand that illustration real clear. Because many times that's the way I act in my Christian life. I'm trusting you, God, to a certain extent, but when I see a car coming towards me, I'm going back the other way. And God is saying, even if you see the car, keep coming. Even if you see some things not starting to work out the way you thought they were working, keep coming. God is sitting there on the other side of the trial, the other side of the storm with his hands ready to receive you, and he can't receive some of us because we keep going back the other direction. Lord, I know what your word says, but I know what I think. I was about to follow your word, but then something or someone or one of the biggest buts that we have, my feelings started telling me to do something else. It didn't feel right. How many of us made decisions, went through trials, not on the word, not on God's wisdom, but on our feelings? Felt right to me, felt good to me. And those emotions are just up and down, up and down. Such a believer should not expect God's wisdom because such a believer is double-minded. So what is this double-minded concept? Someone who wants his or her will and God's will at the same time. Two-souled or double-souled refers to a man or woman whose heart is divided between allegiance to God and the allurements of the world and their flesh. I know what you're telling me to do, God. I'm yours, I'm yours, I'm yours. I was singing on Sunday all those songs to you. I was praising you. I was telling you how great you were. I was saying hallelujah. I was saying praise Lord. I was saying amen. And then now find myself once again doing what feels good to me. You know, the world has all those unbiblical statements. Follow your heart. Do what feels good to you. Well, any of us here, we had to give testimonies. We can give a whole bunch of testimonies of things we did that felt good to us. And God said, but did it feel good to me? So that's why we say, when we live our lives on our own personal happiness, we should be living our lives on God's happiness, not ours. Then we're going to hear the next, next great quotes from the scholars of the Bible, we're only human. So that's always, <laughs> that's always the thing come out of our mouth. Well, we, we, we already know we're humans. But we also know that we're now superhumans because we have the Holy Spirit in us. So now if we choose to sin, nobody made us sin except ourselves. We chose to sin. We chose to put our happiness over God's happiness. The believer is not sure that he wants to know God's wisdom. 
because he isn't fully committed to submitting to it. He begins or she begins to shop around for answers that fits what they want to do. Well, I ain't going to listen to that old Pastor Denny. He don't know it all. He even say from the pulpit he don't know it all. So I know he don't know it all. I know more than he know. So I, I hear the thoughts. I hear them coming through your waves sometimes when I'm, when I'm fist bumping you. I, I feel it coming through your fist bump. So now some of you going to have your hands in your pockets. So I, I know better than he knows. And that same thinking goes to God. Don't sit here and tell me you turn it on and off. You don't. Your pattern of thinking is your pattern of thinking. And when you begin to think you know more than the person that's supposed to be leading you, how many has got people on the job? We sit there thinking, I, 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 should be, I should be the leader. You ain't the leader. You ought to be thinking, God, you got a job. Well, I should be the pastor. Okay, well, you come on up here. You'll find out real fast. you be calling real fast. All right, all right, give this job back. God is not to be ignored. He says such a believer's heart is not right with God. Such a believer is unstable. See, when we think of unstable, we usually think of that in terms of mental capacity. Somebody's not quite there. The elevator don't go all the way up to the top. They ain't got all the crayons in the Crayola. <laughs> so, so, so now God is telling you there are spiritual unstable believers. And just as we are caught off guard when someone is mentally unstable, we ought to be weary of someone who is spiritually unstable. That's not just something to laugh at. That's not just something to say, oh, I'm glad I'm not there. That person can cause great damage to the body of Christ. Unstable. Akatatos, which means unsettled, inconstant, fickle, changeable. In all his ways, when we ask God for wisdom, but at the same time doubt that his wisdom is best, we are saying, in essence, I don't trust you, God. Now, most of us say, well, I ain't never said those words out of my mouth. Now you understand that your deeds and your lifestyles are screaming, I don't trust you. So just thinking on the vertical, if, you, if, you, if you're blessed to be married or you're unblessed to be married, whatever it is. So you keep telling that spouse of yours, I don't trust you. How in the world do you think that relationship is going to get stronger? So you say, well, I ain't never said that to my spouse. So you ain't talking to me. You talking to some of those other folks. Okay, now let's look at your deeds. Because your deeds sometimes speak louder than your words that come out of your mouth. So you're going somewhere. You're doing something. And you say, well, I, I think we go, go this direction. You're going the wrong way. Or I remember what you did the last time. The last decision you made didn't turn out right, so I, you, you, you better pray on this some more. I don't trust you. Well, why are you leaving the church? Well, you know, I'm not being fed at the church. That's usually the first lie. They don't trust the leadership. 
When the people wasn't following Moses, it wasn't because of God. They didn't trust Moses. So we always going to butter it up with other words. It comes down to I don't trust you. So do you really trust God to lead you in any situation? And we'll all say yes. And then God says, I'm going to let that situation come up. Now I'm going to see if you trust me. Hmm. It's getting point now where sadly I said believers begin to trust unbelievers more than they trust believers in God. Now all of a sudden, I don't know if you notice, you're getting more and more commercials with psychic numbers again. They had left for a while. Now they're starting to come back on the TV like mad. And I bet you everybody's calling that 900 number or whatever number it is. I all of them ain't unbelieving. It's some sad, unstable, foolish, unwise, what other word can I come up with? Believers <laughs> that are calling that number to tell them what to do. They got God up here who says, I'll give you all the wisdom that you need no matter what you're going through, and they calling a psychic person? They got a person up here who says, I know where you're going before you even go there, but I'm talking to my brother or my sister or my cousin on the second side, and they're unbelieving. And you say, I'm talking to them because I need some wisdom. Really? Really? But they, they don't went to school. They got degrees. They got this. They got that. Do they have God? Are they tethered to God? So they're not tapped into the greatest wisdom because the greatest wisdom comes from God. So if I got a question, I'm going to God, and God sends me somebody, he ain't going to normally send me to an unbeliever. He's going to send me to another believer who can tell me what his word is saying. Amen. Not stable, unstable, emotional, not spiritual. Are you more of an emotional believer or a spiritual believer? Each person got to answer that question themselves. Some of them say, well, Pastor Ian, you just so emotionless. Well, I have emotion just like you got emotion, but I don't foolishly allow my emotions to dictate my actions. I let the Holy Spirit dictate my actions. Faith in God during trials will always lead to stability. First, five, first Peter 5.10 says, if we are faithful to God, he will perfect confirm, strengthen, and establish us. Isn't that amazing? God is saying, I will strengthen you, I will confirm you, I will perfect you, I will establish you if you trust me. So if you came here today unstable, the only reason why you're going to leave here unstable is because you choose not to trust God. You say, well, that's too simple, God, Pastor Danny. It can't be that easy. Yes, it is. It ain't rocket science. God didn't make it rocket science. He said, trust me. Well, you don't know what trials I'm going through. Trust me. You don't know how bad my husband and wife been treating me. Trust me. You don't know how bad those kids are. Trust me. You don't know how bad those people are on my place of work. Trust me. You don't know how many insufficient fund checks I got. Trust me. Trust me. And watch me. Mm. Watch me teach you to do that which pleases me. Are you doubting? Are you double-minded? Are you unstable? Are you spiritual roadkill today? If you are, you don't have to leave here that way. Now, if you're here and you don't know the Lord and you came for a meal... You paid a big price for that meal because you had to go through this sermon. 
Now, now, now you're going to understand that if I want true fellowship, I can only have true fellowship with a fellow believer if I'm a believer. Light associates with light. Darkness associates with darkness. Well, how do I become light? You don't do anything but surrender to God. You thank God that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross to handle your sin and your most wicked sin, the sin of unbelief. And if God has chosen you, he will open your eyes, he will touch your heart, he will open your ears so you can hear the words, if I want to be saved, I got to believe and trust that God loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me. And if I truly receive that, if I truly accept that, God says at that moment, I become one of his. And once I become one of his, the process of sanctification begins. And all of us are still on that process. All of us. Nobody here is sanctified 100%. We are positionally, but Lord knows we are not practically. So we are allowing God to get more and more control of us and us having less and less control of ourselves. And that's where even that power struggle even occurs with believers. We don't want to decrease, but God says the only way I can increase in your life is if you decrease. And when you think you got it, something to come up and you find out there's some more decreasing I got to do. Because there's still too much Delbert moving, talking, thinking, when it needs to be more and more Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your glorious word. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you have provided us once again to travel through this wonderful word. We thank you, Lord, now for us to just resonate on what you have said here today. Um, you have a word for every one of your children. Someone may have heard one aspect of the message. Someone may have heard a different aspect. Someone may have heard something that was not even said, but you were speaking directly to them. And Lord, now, as always, when you speak to us, you don't just speak to us just for us to hear, but you speak to us so that we may then apply what we have heard to our lives. If we came here today, doubters. If we came here today, double-minded. If we came here today as spiritual roadkill, don't leave here being upset that Pastor Denny said you were a spiritual roadkill. I didn't say who was and who wasn't. That's the conviction of your Holy Spirit that is saying, do you see yourselves in any of those descriptions? And if you see yourself in any of those descriptions, God wants to help us right now. Not next week, not tomorrow, right now. He wants deliverances right now. And he knows what will allow that deliverance to take place. Faith, not faith in faith, but faith in him and trust in him. That no matter what we are facing, you are the only solution to the problem. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. And we say these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ.
Amen.